0: The following podcast contains explicit language.
1: Welcome to Mom and Dad are Fighting, Slate's parenting podcast for Thursday, November 7th, the Into the Unknown edition. I'm Jamila Lemieux, a writer, contributor to Slate's Karen Feeding parenting column, and mother to Naima, who's six, and we live in Englewood, California.
0: Hey, I'm Dan Kois, I'm a writer and editor at Slate, I'm the author of How to Be a Family, and I'm the dad of Lyra, who's 14. Harper, who's 12. We live in Arlington, Virginia.
2: My name is Ezekiel Kwaku. I'm politics editor at New York Magazine and father to James, who's two. And I have another boy on the way who's due on Thanksgiving. I live with my wife in Oakland. Holy shit, congratulations! Thank
1: congratulations. you. Congratulations. Um, does your other child live with you too? or? <laughs> I'm just <laughs> We all live together just, in Oakland, yeah. <laughs> we all live together. That's good. I, I was hoping you all weren't having issues because two can be quite terrible. Uh, I've heard, but we're so excited to have you. I, I salute everyone who is a repeat customer at the baby store. I don't know if I'm built for it, <laughs> but um, <laughs> I'm excited to hear <laughs> to hear more about some of your experiences with all those children today on the show, we've got a question from a mom who's contemplating a move to make sure that her children can be near their father. I so can relate. And we're joined by Slate writer Ruth Graham later on the program, who's going to talk about her impending sense of dread about Frozen 2. Whomst amongst us does not have an impending sense of dread about Frozen 2. Um, Are we going to be stuck with another let-it-go style earworm, or should we just allow our kids to indulge themselves in those terribly pleasant songs who's to say and we've got triumphs and fails and recommendations as we always do so let's kick things off with you Dan do you have a triumph or a fail um, for your parenting report card this week I
0: have a triumph that turned into a fail Uh, usually it's the exact opposite for me Longtime listeners know that I consistently try (laughs) to spin my fails into triumphs Uh, But there's no way to do this this time. So um, uh, last week, Harper, my younger daughter, and her best friend Shira decided that they wanted to have a yard sale, by which they meant they wanted to sell a bunch of old clothes (laughs) and books and, like, crap that they got in Happy Meals or whatever. And we were, like, very into this idea because Harper is a kid who really needs an activity. So for a week – A solid week like this was her activity. She was sorting things in her room and she was putting price tags on stuff. She was planning the sale with Shira and they had sign making dates where they made signs to post around the neighborhood and they borrowed a cash box from a neighbor uh, and they were in charge of the whole thing. Mm. And we gave them total autonomy over all the decision making. All we said was, hey, we'll help with the setup on Sunday, but you're in charge of everything else. And this seemed like the perfect plan. But for one thing that my wife and I did not think of, which really backfired on us, which is that all of a sudden last week I'm driving down my street and I see in the median on um, stakes stuck into the, into the grass, a very charming hand-drawn sign. And it says, yard sale, Sunday, 8 a.m. to 1.30 p.m. Oh, no.
3: 8 a.m.? <laughs> <8 a. m. laughs>
0: We should not have allowed these kids total autonomy. We should have stepped in and we should have told them that the yard sale really only needs to be two hours long and it should start at 11. But we didn't. So at 7.15 in the fucking morning, Ali and I and Shira's dad, Matt, were all oh, up no. all freezing fucking cold, hauling tables and shit out of our basement. This was after a late night out, by the way, which may have included some revelry. Uh, and so even with the extra hour we got oh. from daylight savings, we were not loving it. So this is just a great reminder to all parents that it is important to give kids autonomy and let them suffer the consequences of their decisions, except for that often it is you too who ends up suffering the consequences.
1: That is the best triumph slash fail I've heard uh, thus far. Thank you. Um, How many customers did the girls have at eight o'clock in the morning?
0: Uh, In their five and a half hours of being open, they had three customers. (laughs) Uh, It should be noted, however,
1: that two of them came in the eight o'clock hour. (laughs) Wow. Wow. So perhaps that was a blessing in disguise because if they hadn't been open, then they may have only had one customer.
0: Uh, I guess that's true. Maybe those people had other yard
1: sales to go to.
0: I guess. They had good instincts. Right. Good instincts, but they maybe were they maybe were a little bit overly optimistic about how many people wanted to buy shit from Happy Meals.
1: That is fantastic. Um, Ezekiel, how about you? Aside from your two year old getting an apartment of his own. um, (laughs) (laughs) Do you have a triumph or a fail for us this week?
2: I have a fail. So like I said, we're expecting our second uh, on Thanksgiving ish. And so we thought it would be a good idea to do this sibling hospital class slash tour um, at the hospital that we're expecting the baby to be born at for, for James. And we went there on Sunday. It was just me and James because uh, my wife was working. And it was almost totally useless <laughs> because um, I guess it was designed for toddlers who were just getting used to the idea that they were going to have a younger sibling. Um, And so, obviously, James is pretty familiar with the idea. And so that was not that useful. And then the highlight, I thought, was going to be the hospital tour. But from the perspective of a toddler, it was just like walking through some random hallways and then pressing some buttons on hospital bed. So that, too, was not that useful. And it would have been sort of like no harm, no foul, except that it messed up his nap time, um, along with daylight savings time. And so he has been cranky since Sunday. (laughs) So it was just an example of like you sort of make a choice for a kid and you think it's going to be a good idea— and the choice you made on their behalf was actually not a great idea.
0: Right, it backfires uh, not only in the in the ex, in the like expectable way, but then in a bunch of not expectable ways, uh, and you end up with everything right. worse than when you started. In right. general, is James? Do you get the sense that James is like into this? Is he ready and excited? Or
2: oh, he's he- very excited about the prospect of having a little a little brother. And of the prospect of like helping out with the baby, he was already even before we got pregnant, he was pretty excited about babies in general. Like if a baby appeared on a show that he was watching, he would want to rewind and see the baby again. so yeah. he he's pretty excited about it, and I mean, he had a he had a fun time at the tour because he's an extrovert, and there were other kids there, so he was having a ball. But the, the larger ramifications were probably not good.
1: Like, I expected this to be so much worse because I, I thought maybe he'd like seen, you know, somebody being wheeled by on a gurney and you know, some <laughs> sort of state of emergency. And now he was terrified of hospitals or, you know, saw somebody screaming in labor. As far as fails go, um, that's not too bad, Ezekiel.
2: No, it's not too your, bad. your heart was in the right place. I tried.
1: And your child has a nap time, which I have to admit that was not a thing that I ever deeply committed to instituting. So maybe that's why my child's been cranky since two thousand and thirteen. <laughs> <laughs> but but um, you're doing great. you're going to do it again. You're awesome. Um, I too have a fail this week. I, uh, yesterday. I woke up and I thought it's at this point I, I we could get through an episode without me mentioning this because I do realize that moved here from New York is like a genre of person and so I don't want to be that person who's constantly reminding everyone that I moved here from New York but I've only been here for about a month, uh, a month and a week and so my body has yet to uh, fully adjust to California time so I, I some days unless I stay up late or you know maybe take something to help me sleep, I tend to wake up between three, four, 4.30 in the morning. Um, and I have to go back to sleep and I, I can't always do it. And so that happened yesterday. And I changed my alarm to give myself an extra 30 minutes because usually I would wake up at six, but I was up for a while at four in the morning. I was okay, I can push it till 6.30, still get the little one out the door into school on time. So at some point, my daughter gets my phone, which I use as an alarm, Um, as many millennials do. And she takes it to play games and she goes in the living room and she's playing games. And so I wake up at some point and I notice that it looks a little bit too sunny. The, the sun's just not where it should be um, for me to be opening my eyes for the first time. And so I called to her. I said, Naima, what time is it? And she says, it's 830. And I'm like, no, look at the clock on the phone because I'm thinking she's looking at the, you know, the clock in the kitchen that I hadn't changed yet from Daylight Savings. She's like, I am looking at the phone. Naeem was supposed to be at school by 835. She, for like two hours, played on my phone.
0: And also turned, turned off your alarm
1: i have so many alarms i have so many alarms like i have the right before i need to get up so i'm not in a deep sleep anymore alarm and i have the time i need to be up and then i need 15 more minutes just in case and, and then 30 minutes like i have so many alarms she counted four there were probably more than that but she said she turned off four alarms and i said naima what did you think What's going to happen why didn't you wake me up you, you know what time you have to be at school I don't know what time I have to be at school I said Naima <laughs> I, I don't believe that and even if you don't know the exact time I'm pretty sure you know that you have to be there in the eight o'clock hour and that it's 8 30 and you're just sitting there playing games and I, I said why didn't you wake me up she said well I didn't want you to get mad at me <laughs> I said were you prepared to live the rest of your life this way? How, where did this end? How did you see this ending? And then I had to remind myself that she's six years old. And so she wasn't thinking of the ending. All she knew was that when I woke up, she was going to be upset. So while I've been in the middle of trying to change everything uh, in our schedule to make sure that we're at school bright and early every day, which is a challenge for me. Time is not my thing. My child decided to just allow herself a two hour YouTube vacation. And yeah, we got to school when we got to school. So I Jamila. I fail.
0: Can I just say that there is a deeper triumph embedded in this fail? I agree that this is a fail. However, uh, if you can raise a child whose instinct at all times is mom's asleep, I better not wake her up, like that's going to yield (laughs) benefits down the line. My kids don't have that impulse. Their impulse is if dad's asleep- He might be missing something, so we better wake him up and make sure he knows about (laughs) stuff. Uh, And that's no good.
1: Thank you, Dan. That makes me feel a little bit better. I, I will say she showed some signs of that very early in life, and I told her, I'm going back to sleep. You can do what you need to do. Here's your little space. You can sit right next to me in the bed, but I need to sleep until a reasonable hour. So I think she knows better. Hopefully she knows to wake me up when there's an emergency and in the future when she needs to go to school. So um, now that I've thoroughly embarrassed myself, once again, let's move on and do some business. Um, I'm super excited to remind you guys that Dan and I are going to be at the Miami Book Fair on November 23rd for a special live edition of Mom and Dad are Fighting we're going to be joined by Pamela Paul from the New York Times Book Review and author of How to Raise a Reader and Adam Mansbaugh author of Go the Fuck to Sleep and Fuck, Now There Are Two of You. Oh, Ezekiel, that's, that's for you. <laughs> this is going to be a free show. You can bring your kids if you like. I love meeting other people's kids. Our kids are not coming. Or you can get a babysitter and leave them at home. Either way, we're super excited to meet our Florida listeners. You can even come to the club with Dan and I afterwards. Um, Drake is hosting somewhere, and we're going to be there uh, in VIP. And no matter what, we just want you to come out and meet us. We have Florida listeners. We know you exist. You send us messages. Come show your faces. And let's have some fun. This is going to be 4 p.m. on Saturday, November 23rd at Miami-Dade College. And for tickets and information, go to slate.com live. If you want to keep up with all things parenting from Slate, um, including mom and dad are fighting, care and feeding, and so much more good stuff, go to slate.com parenting email and sign up today. You don't want to miss a thing. Also, check us out on Facebook by searching Slate Parenting. It's a very fun and well-moderated community and lots of rich conversation going on over there. I'm there every once in a while, but I do approve people to be in the group whereas Dan engages, but that's just because I'm slightly afraid of Facebook. It's fine.
0: I also enjoy banning people.
1: Yes, Dan enjoys banning people. So I'll let you in, but I can't keep you in. I brought you into this world and Dan will take you out. (laughs) Today, (laughs) on Slate Plus today, we're gonna be talking about how to talk to your kids about climate change and other difficult, complicated subjects. Here's a quick sneak peek of what you'll hear if you have a subscription. There was a time where if a cop smiled and said hi to her, she would just give them a blank evil stare, which is very funny. Um, But also she has to know how to have a conversation with the cop for a number of reasons. To hear segments like that and to get ad-free versions of this and other great Slate podcasts, sign up for Slate+. Plus. Slate Plus is our membership program and it is an amazing way to support our work. And for just $35 for your first year, you can help cover the cost of producing Mom and Dad are Fighting and your other favorite Slate shows. And, of course, in return, you get extended ad-free versions of this and other great Slate shows and a ton of other great benefits. So if you'd like to support mom and dad are fighting, please, please, please go to slate.com slash momanddadplus and join Slate Plus today. All right, let's get into these listener questions. The first one was emailed to us. And if you'd like to email us a question of your own and hear it on the show, send it to Mom And as usual, the question is being read by the one and only Shasha Leonard.
3: Dear mom and dad are fighting. I'm at a crossroads and not sure what to do. My seven and nine-year-olds have always been expats, first in the Middle East, and now for the past four years in Southeast Asia. Three years ago, their father and I separated both of us remaining in the same Asian city. Their father loves them, but he is not hugely active in their lives, usually seeing them one evening or one day per week. He does, however, provide a large portion of the money we need to live here between obligatory private schools and high rent. My kids love their dad, and whatever I think about him, profound asshole, I always have gone out of my way to encourage as much interaction with him as possible. The separation was pretty devastating to all of us, but we're back on our feet now. Friends, school, my career are all on track right now. But my ex recently announced that he will be moving soon, and as such, will no longer contribute to our living in such a high-cost city. When I think about moving, I'm physically sick. Plus, where would we go? I haven't lived in our European official home country for 12 years. It's also quite expensive, and I would have a much harder time as a single parent there. My kids don't even speak that language very well. Do I follow my ex to a place that I have no desire to live in and no job just to keep the contact between father and kids move to a different cheaper country in Southeast Asia where the money I do have would go further and start all over again this time literally alone in the world with two kids go the nuclear lawyer route and just try to force my ex to keep ponying up school fees so we can stay here. Say fuck it and run away to open a surf shop in Indonesia? The last one was a joke, sort of. My goal is to find a solution that is best for the kids and doesn't make me totally miserable. What would you do? Thanks.
1: Whew, okay, that's a lot. Dan, what do you think?
3: Uh, there are a lot of
0: questions that I have stemming from this email that are not quite answered in the email. Like, do you have an agreement with your ex-spouse, your ex-partner? Um, Did you have a lawyer when you made that agreement? What country are you in and what are the custody and child support laws like in that country? All that being said, my initial impulse is that there's no reason to think that just because he's moving out of town, he no longer has to chip in his fair share to support you. In most cases, in most kinds of custody arrangements, that's not the case. It's his decision to move out of town uh, and that doesn't usually unilaterally require an ex-spouse with kids to also move out of town and follow that person, nor should it necessarily change the level of support that he's giving you. But that's a little hard to figure out or navigate because I don't know whether you have an agreement, whether this is all written up or whether everything has been based on handshake deals or the goodness of his heart. If that's the case, then you're in a much tougher position. Um, but so my initial impulse is to say that you should fight. If you like the life that you have, if you think your kids are happy, if you are happy with friends and a job that you like, and the only thing keeping you from maintaining that is your ex's unilateral decision that he doesn't want to pay for it anymore, then I think you should fight that and you should fight it with a lawyer. But, uh, but what do you guys think?
2: I have this a lot of the same questions as you, Dan, and my first impulse is to say to go talk to a lawyer just so you know what your options are because um, you want to have the full universe of options before you even start thinking about the decision-making process. And then the fec- second thing I would say is, I mean, it's a little bit difficult to answer what would I do because we're talking about competing factors that are all about margins, Like, how uncomfortable would you actually be if you tried to stay on your own? Uh, How much money would it require um, for you to live in another East Asian city? Um, How much money would you save by following your ex, et cetera, et cetera? But I think the way I would think about it is first see if it's possible to, to stay where you are and keep on living more or less as you have. And then the second is to, like, really game it out, like, how much money would it cost? What would your budget be if you lived back in the, your home country? How much money would it be if you lived in Southeast Asia? And decide sort of what's, what's sustainable. And then once you decide what's sustainable, then you can sort of think about the concerns of do you want your kids to be close to their father? Think about those factors. But first, I think you sort of want to know what's possible. Jamila, you are a person who has
1: yeah. dealt with
0: a similar situation as this, with the obvious exception that this letter writer clearly does not like her ex. She's glad that her kids have a relationship with the ex that yes. seems valuable to her. She sees the value in it. But it's not like she is, wants to, like, bend over backwards to make life easier for this guy. That was not your situation exactly, but I'm still very right. curious what you would have to say.
1: Yeah, I um I was very fortunate that my ex as well as his wife um agreed to relocate from New York to California because I had some professional ambitions that brought me out west. Um you know, it was a very difficult decision. Um and for some years I'd wanted to leave New York and and we talked about it for about two years before we ended up coming. But even before uh, that conversation was on the table, I felt stuck. You know, I felt like I have to live where they live because I can't function in the same way without, you know, constant support that this mom is not getting um, from her co-parent, you know, um, in, in terms of divvying up time as opposed to just simply uh, relying on the financial support that he does and absolutely should be paying Um you know, and, and keeping this child in a private school or whatever, but. Uh, it, it's hard you know it, it, it's certainly hard relocating is and, and I'm not going um, from country to country but just the, the New York to California switch has been disorienting and emotional and and was very difficult for me and so I'm so empathetic to you mom um, because you've built a life that works for you and you've finally found some peace and happiness and now the same person who robbed you of your peace and happiness um, in the past during your marriage and you know perhaps at the the dissolution of your marriage you know and and someone that you would have hoped didn't have that sort of power over your life anymore has again flexed on you and made a decision based on what he thinks is best or what he wants or needs um, without much regard for what that would mean for you and and perhaps also for his um, children so with that I I agree that you really need to sit down and figure out what it is that you want to do. What do you need to do um, to create the sort of life that, that works for you and for your children where they have their needs met and they have a good quality of life. Um, but also that you can have some of your desires met and, and most of your needs met and also enjoy your quality of life. You are not collateral damage. Your, your experiences matter. Your career matters. Your happiness matters. And I don't think you know what that looks like for you at this point, because you're clear that you can't sustain what you're doing now with a, a reduction to the support that you're getting from your ex-husband. If You think that the best thing for you to do, at least temporarily, while you figure things out, is to remain where you are, then get that lawyer. You know, I I think that I'm getting the impression from from where you are and the sort of moves uh, that you have made that your ex is a man of some means and... If he was able to afford paying for these things while he was there, you know, it, it seems reasonable enough to expect that he can afford to pay for them um, if he leaves but doesn't want to because it doesn't fit into this picture of what he wants now. You know, he wants them to be close to him. And so that also means being in a place where he wouldn't have to pay for this really expensive schooling. And, and so it's a win-win, but the only wins are going his direction. Um So I think that you need to first do some soul searching and perhaps talk to a therapist um, or a counselor or, you know, if nothing else, a a trusted friend or somebody who can help you really sort out your feelings and, and identify what you truly need and want right now and to proceed from there. But you have absolutely no reason to be adverse to going to court. Um, or into mediation with your ex because he has created a situation where that is perhaps the right thing to do. Um, and it's not about stooping to his level and mirroring his lack of regard for you, but um, but not allowing him to walk all over you and just do what he sees fit.
0: His lack of regard is really important. It's absolutely. I important. I'm really struck Jamila by you mentioning that in your situation, you guys talked about this for about two years before you pulled the trigger. Um, and there's none of that in this letter, yeah. right? He made he made a unilateral decision. He told the letter writer his decision, and she's just supposed to adapt to it, and that sucks. And it suggests that there might not be like that much reasoning to be done with him. But I do nevertheless think that it's worth, in addition to talking to a lawyer, talking to him frankly about this, not accusingly, yeah. but explaining the situation that this leaves you in and how difficult it is on you and how hard it would be on the kids. The other thing I would suggest is whatever the end result of this is, whether you end up living in the same place as him or in a totally different place from him, I think you really need to explore a more formalized custody arrangement. You have here an ex, a father, Mm -hmm. who has some theoretical interest in being connected to his kids in the sense that he wants them to live in the same place with him, but he clearly wants to just be able to drop in whenever it is convenient to him. You say that he comes on some weekends, but not on all weekends. Um, You never know right now if he's going to show up or when he's going to show up. And so whatever the end result of this is, I hope that you also formalize a real agreement as to when he, he's not just going to visit the kids, but when the kids are going to be his responsibility. If you end up in different places, one way that you can maybe pitch that to him or sell that to him is the kids can do like summers with him. That's a it's a like a very traditional arrangement when exes end up living in different cities or in different countries um, for them to be with one parent during the school year. For them to spend an extended period of time during the school holiday um, in the other place with the other parent, uh, having like an extended experience and extended time with that parent. And that's a way for him to feel like he's still getting that experience of living in the same place with them without necessarily overturning or upending their lives.
1: I agree, Dan. I think that's uh, a very reasonable and fair thing to do. And what I hate that I'm reading from this letter, and I, I hope that I'm wrong. I don't see the father being terribly interested in having that time with the children, you know. And, and perhaps this conversation will help him to realize where he hasn't been a fully active and engaged parent. And and you know, theoretically, a, a non-custodial parent spending two days a week with their kids is not uh, considered a short amount of time, but that he made this decision without discussing it with the lack of regard for the other parent oftentimes, um, speaks to a lack of regard for the children. You know, I, I think that if there's nothing else that we, um, those of us who are no longer with, um, the people with whom we had children, if there's one thing that we can do for our kids, it's figuring out a way to have respect and care for their other parents. Um, I I don't know how I would function if my ex did not have the maturity and the grace to show that to me. And it was something that, you know, at a point where I was upset and unhappy, I had to tap into um, because I realized it was in the child's greater good. So mom, it, it sounds like you've already made some concessions and have been willing to be the bigger person. And I'm sorry that it's falling on your lap again, but Dan's right. You really need to have a serious conversation. Um, with your ex and perhaps there's a middle ground you know it could be that he's um continues to pay for the schooling and the uh, whatever other uh investment he's made financially in, in terms of keeping you guys lifestyle the way it is now um in in southeast asia for a certain amount of time giving you the opportunity to figure out what you want to do next or to um you know create another stream of income etc so
0: Ezekiel, do you have anything else you want to add?
2: Yeah, I, I wanna, wanted to add that one, I I don't think she should, um, she definitely shouldn't feel guilty if she decides not to follow her ex, that she's robbing her children of their relationship with their father. It's sort of his decision. Um, and so I, I don't think any guilt about that should enter into the equation. And then other thing I think um, is the way that she framed it at the end of her letter is that she wants the best for her kids and she wants to not be too miserable. I think it's important for her to, to weigh her own happiness um, when she makes her decision because if she's miserable, that's going to affect her children, even if they're in sort of a what seems to be a, an objectively ideal uh, Circumstance—if she is miserable or unhappy, um, that's going to filter down to them. So I think she should weigh her own, her own satisfaction, her own happiness um, in the equation. That's a very good point. Excellent
0: and point, and along those lines, I would say, why the fuck not open a surf shop in Indonesia? Like, it's not a terrible idea. It's not the worst idea you ever had.
2: Yeah, along those lines, I think she should be very broad about what sorts of things that she's open to and be creative about solutions. Um, And I also think it's, to emphasize what Dan said, I also think to give herself the time to figure out what to do next, I think she should have a conversation with her ex and see if he can continue to contribute so that she can figure out what to do next. Since it was his decision to sort of unilaterally drop this in her lap and force her to adjust, I think sort of the least that can be done is that he continues to contribute at least until she figures out what she wants to do what her plan is.
1: Very good points. Very good points. Um, thank you for reaching out, Letter Writer, and we hope that we were at least somewhat helpful. And if you are listening and want us to be somewhat helpful to you, please send us an email at com. So next, we don't have a second letter this week. We're going to do something a little bit different. It's been five years since Disney released Frozen. And it's been five long, long, long years of kids belting out Let It Go, um, oftentimes to their parents' chagrin. And now Frozen 2 is on the horizon. Winter is coming. Slate writer Ruth Graham recently wrote about the release of the next big Elsa song, uh, Into the Unknown by Panic at the Disco. And she's here to talk about how we can prepare ourselves for the return of Frozen and all things that come with it. Hey, Ruth, thank you for joining us. Can you please um, tell us a little bit more about yourself and what kind of parenting you're doing?
4: Yeah, my name is Ruth Graham. Um, I'm a staff writer at Slate, and I have a four-year-old daughter, Mary. She's my only kid.
0: And she loves Let It Go.
4: She loves it. We just went through uh, the kind of peak of that phase, I think about a year ago, and it's been mercifully fading over the course of 2019, but I, I fear a comeback now.
0: Can you tell us about this new song um, and uh, and where you first heard it and what role it seems to play in the movie?
4: Yeah, so I first heard it. Coming out of my daughter's mouth uh, uh, over the weekend, I think. Um, I just heard her kind of like murmuring the words and I didn't recognize it, which is odd because, you know, she's just four. I kind of hear everything she listens to with the exception of a few, you know, little preschool songs that I don't know. And then it turned out that my husband had been watching the uh, the trailer to Frozen Two with her. Um, she loves Frozen, so they'd been watching this trailer. There's a snippet of the song in the trailer. Um, it's called "Into the Unknown." The emotional arc is really similar between "Let It Go." Um, so "Let It Go" kind of starts. Uh, it's Queen Elsa, and she's like running away from the town. She's all by herself. She starts very closed up and she's like regretful and worried and then over the course of the song she like embraces these magic powers she has has and um she builds this huge sparkly ice castle at this point in the movie and she like changes into this sexy dress, which is the part of the video I really hate, but it's admittedly very irresistible. She like lets her hair down and she just like fully embraces her powers. And it seems like we don't know a lot about what the plot of Frozen Two will be like. It's coming out in a few weeks. Um, but the sound of Into the Unknown, it's the same singer, it's going to be sung in the movie by Edina Menzel. Um, they've released the version that will run over the credits, um, which is like, kind of like a pop version of it by Panic! at the Disco. That came out this week, so that's why we know all the lyrics already. Um, but in the movie, it'll be sung by Adina Menzel. And it's the same songwriters, and it's like, it seems like it's Elsa kind of, once again, struggling with her powers, like feeling this urge to kind of bust out, and then over the course of the song, like embracing that. So she says, every day is a little harder. I feel my power grow. There's a part of me that longs to go into the unknown, and it's this like soaring ballad. Um, so for toddlers, it's like like that's the toddler credo, is like wanting to bust out of constraints and like wanting to go wild. And um, both of these songs seem to kind of hit that same note so it does seem like they're going for a let it go style hit and it seems plausible to me it will it will become that so we'll see it hasn't taken over my house yet but it's it has all the ingredients so I'm curious to know what everyone else's
1: um kids relationship to frozen is Dan are your kids like Are they too old to be interested in the second one at this point? Ezekiel, has your little one seen or heard anything from Frozen um, at all yet?
0: I'll start. Um, I thought that they were too old to be interested in Frozen 2. They both were fairly into Frozen Uno uh, when it first came out. Um, Harper especially, she was a little bit younger at that point. She definitely sang Let It Go for like two straight years. Um, and but I thought at this point, they're 14 and 12. <laughs> they're not going to give a shit about that movie for babies. And then the trailer came out and Harper instantly was like, I want to see that. So now I think I'm potentially also fucked. Wow. Well, you, Zico.
2: James has seen, he actually watched Frozen for the second time uh, yesterday and he's sort of kind of indifferent to it. Like he'll sit and watch it. He has kind of a long attention span for, for a two-year-old, but he's not like enamored By it and he's not like obsessed with Let It Go um, like my nephew was. My nephew, who is six now I believe, um, he was like like Let It Go was like heroin or something (laughs) to him. Um, It would like instantly calm him down and like he didn't have a long attention span but he would like uh, focus very uh, intently for the course of the music video if you showed it to him. So James is not not that into it, um, but it's happened before that he's watched something and not been that into it, and then like on the third or fourth watch, it clicks, and then he he gets obsessed with it so we're we're sort of um in a, in a state of anticipation and, and, an, and anxiety about the prospects of him getting obsessed with Letica. Jamila,
0: is your daughter crazy about Frozen?
1: So she's not, So she's in the uh, so it's, it's complicated it's so like Naima is six so she was super super young when the first Frozen came out which means she was only watching and, and coming across things that we introduced to her, you know, like she wasn't even able to take a phone and, and just kind of look at YouTube by herself and stumble upon something that we didn't necessarily want her to see. Um, and her Her dad and I had agreed uh, informally that, you know, we weren't really trying to do too much of the Disney princess thing because most of the princesses are white, you know, or or rather I should say what we'd agree was that she wasn't going to have white dolls. She wasn't going to be fixated on blonde hair and blue eyes and that we were going to focus on exposing her to images of black, you know, girls who were heroes and princesses or any number of things, but that we really wanted to get that down tight. Um, before the world challenged it. And then when she was a little bit older, you know, stuff like this will be totally fine. And so I'm very picky in terms of the kids' movies that I actually enjoy watching or would want to see. Because she has a sibling at Dad's house, it kind of worked out that I was the one who oftentimes showed her stuff that was maybe made for adults, but okay for kids, like the New Edition story, which was a. <laughs> which remains a fixation in our house after like three years at this point. Um, my daughter's obsessed with Bobby Brown, of all people. And so one day, um, and I, I knew that Frozen was an earworm and that every other parent I, I knew was dealing with it, but I hadn't shown it to her. And, you know, she hadn't mentioned seeing it or anything. So I thought we were just in the clear. And like she just randomly starts singing it in a store. And I was like, wait, where did you hear that? You know, how did that get to you and you know she'd seen it and she'd fallen in love and I know it's a good feminist story or so I've heard because I have actually never seen Frozen and have no intention on seeing Frozen too. but um, I don't know if you all are uh, frequent Target shoppers like I am um, but Recently, they uh, unveiled a very big display in most of their stores dedicated to Frozen 2 and Frozen 2 merchandise. And I'm like devastated because they had it in the place where I was getting the, um, their vintage designer collaboration stuff. So they literally took my happy place and turned it into Frozen Land. So yeah, I know that the, the call is coming. She's going to be into it. She's going to want stuff
4: it's incredible it's like everywhere and mary will see it and be like oh mom look it's elsa like it's this incredible coincidence when it's like well yeah it's mass (laughs) culture girl like this is not like that you've found you know this incredible coincidence that this obscure thing that you love is at target
0: (laughs) you describe Um, ruth you describe in the piece uh your daughter's initial love for let it go as like at first slightly charming you describe it as baby's first fandom like the first thing she found organically outside the house and brought home that then you as parents have to deal with and obviously that fades after you've heard the song 10 gazillion times but i'm curious is there anything else in mary's life that has filled that role and for the rest of our hosts what is the thing that is in your house now that your kid is obsessed with and it they came about it completely organically from the internet or from friends or whatever and you wish that it would evaporate tomorrow
4: <laughs> i yeah i think for me let it go is the biggest one it was it was kind of sweet at first because um yeah it was kind of like her own discovery and you know another thing is that at this age, like, her peers, they can't read or write, and memorizing songs like this and, like, passing them around is a kind of currency. Like, they 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 have an oral culture, basically, right? So they memorize these things, and they work on them together and, like, you know, sing them together and then bring them into their own house and work on it. I think there is something kind of sweet about that. I There's a few other. There's some, like jump 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 baby shark is another one that she picked up at preschool um i think it's like it, it's an interesting phenomenon before it gets to the point that it drives you completely out of your mind
2: i can't think of anything he's sort of too old too young to um bring stuff from the outside so all of our media that's annoying is sort of like <laughs> our own making <laughs> like it's our fault that he knows about it um He has this, there's this YouTube channel that has truck songs. Um, they're basically songs about a particular kind of truck that are done in different pop styles. And, um, we showed those to him like a year ago and he is absolutely obsessed with them. Um, and always demands to watch them. And they are sweet at first and sort of funny at first, but after a year of them, um, like every day or every other day, they're um, pretty much intolerable. Um, so that's I think that's our big one. Other than that, I think we've been able to keep sort of a, a lid on the annoying children's media. When you have a 12 and 14-year-old, uh, the thing that comes into
0: your house all the time uh, are memes. It's just nothing but memes in our house. They like <laughs> leet speak and Internet speak. And every time... Um, And, you know, I'm not 12 or 14, but I do work in an internet magazine. I am on Twitter a lot. I see memes later than cool people, but I still see them. Um, And so every time that, like, Lyra, like, refers to a meme or says some internet thing and I know what she's talking about, she looks at me like my head has turned into the face of the moon. (laughs) Um, She just, like, cannot believe and she's always so betrayed at the idea that something that she thought she knew actually was in wider knowledge to the extent that a dumb grown up like me would also know about it. So the only good thing I would say about kids uh, bringing in stuff that they believe is solely their own is that sometimes you can break their hearts and make them understand that actually everyone knows that shit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that is very true. Um Well, obviously, I I expose my child to a lot of um, non-kid stuff, especially in terms of music. But um, she is currently fixated on Disney Descendants. Like, it is a thing. For those who are not aware, it is a series of films. There have been three of them. I don't think there are going to be any more um, about the children of Disney princesses, princes, and villains. So, Ursula's daughter and Sleeping Beauty's daughter. And and they've got tension, of course, between the good guys and the bad guys. And it's very well done and very cute. But, like, it's not just the movies. It's all of the YouTube's videos about the movies. It's people posting spoilers. Now, granted, she's seen all the movies, so there's no point in watching the spoiler videos, but those are also interesting, and interviews with the cast and fan videos, and it is very present in our life. But I will say I, I prefer Disney Descendants to Frozen any day. So I, I hope to, she keeps with it, because it's kind of cute to me.
0: Jamila, you mentioned this on the show recently, and you mentioned that the reason they wouldn't have another... Uh, movie is that one of the cast members died in a horrible tragic incident that is like widely known among all Descendants fans and I floated that by my kids and they they already mm-hmm. understand capitalism because they were both like oh they'll definitely do another one they'll just like write a thing about how that character tragically died
1: <laughs> oh no <laughs> oh no and it's crazy it's such a cute story that another one would be really nice to have but it's also like like every she watches videos about this young man Cameron Boyce and every time I'm like how are you not bawling I'm like devastated I want to go hide thinking about this young man dying and she's like oh it's okay well he wasn't dead in the movie <laughs> it's kind of creepy actually
4: Oh, well, Ruth, thank
1: you so much for joining us. Yeah, uh, thank we you. appreciate it and have fun with all that Frozen stuff. <laughs> thank you. I'm heading into the unknown. <laughs> yes, into the unknown, but don't panic. It's not a disco. It's a children's movie. And Adina <laughs> Menzel's voice sounds like an elevator to Willy Wonka's <laughs> penthouse. And I would prefer to avoid it forever. <laughs> okay, uh, before we get out of here, recommendations. Ezekiel, what do you have for us?
2: So my son's favorite movie, I think, is The Lorax, the 1972 musical version. And um, I really like it because it's it has a lot of in-jokes in for adults. It's sort of the same form as How the Grinch Stole Christmas, which was made, I think, eight years before The Lorax. Sort of the same form. You sort of have it um, following the story fairly closely, and then you have some... Uh, musical numbers. Um and he likes it. I like it. It has a good message. Um I feel like that's pretty much all you can ask for in children's media. It's and it's about half an hour, so it's a good it's a good time length in which you can he can finish it, but it's not so short that you're endlessly repeating the same thing over and over and over again. Um, so the Lorax That's a good recommendation. Version. And let me
0: please Additionally recommend Ezekiel never, ever show him the more recent Lorax movie that came out just a few years ago, which is just awful.
2: Even like the the picture of the Lorax is sort of detestable yep. to me of the, of the new CGI Lorax. So I, I will avoid showing that to him.
0: I'm going to do a little log rolling in my recommendation in classic Slate style. Uh, I'm going to recommend a new podcast from Slate.com hosted by me. Uh, it's called The Authority <laughs> – I'm very yeah, objective. Yeah, I'm I, I, My understanding is it's quite good. Um, it's called The Authority, and it's a podcast about <laughs> his Art materials, the HBO series and the books. Long-time listeners to the show um, know that I, this has uh, been a series that has been very important to me and my family. We named our older daughter after the main character in this series. Um, and uh, I've recommended it in a bunch of different ways over time. And so we're, we've launched this weekly podcast. It's Laura Miller and I. Laura is Slate's book critic. Um, and each week we're going to talk about what happens on the HBO show, but we're also going to try to delve a little bit deeper into the worlds of those Philip Pullman novels, um, explaining and exploring different aspects of their cosmology and world building as we go through. So this, this first episode was about the very first episode of of the show, which was called Lyra's Jordan. So we talked about what happened in that episode and whether it was good or bad and what worked and didn't, but we also talked a lot more about Jordan, Jordan College, the fictional yet still sort of based on reality college within Oxford uh, where His Dark Materials begins. Uh, find it wherever you find your podcasts and uh, listen And We would love to have you join us if you are watching the show. Jamila, what about you?
1: Well, my recommendation this week is free. Um, moving is expensive. So uh, this is a great time for me to have uh, something cool that I'm into that doesn't cost any money. And I'm sure other parents might appreciate that. Um I am recommending Improv Improving with your children um, you don't have to do like a full out improv game or get a book or anything like that but just playing I don't want to call it role play because that has such a different connotation <laughs> um, <laughs> than it did uh, in the past but you know just taking on a character it could be a character from a storybook hey you can be Elsa and Anna from Frozen you can be two completely made up characters let your kids come up with a scenario and just stay in character and you can be in the character while you're in the grocery store while you're having dinner while you're driving to school. It is a very fun and easy way to be silly with your kids. And I will say that I, who love to laugh and tell jokes, don't always feel super comfortable getting goofy and silly. Um, It's just not my natural vibe. Uh, But doing improv allows me to kind of go there and, and relax and just have fun being a parent. It's not always fun, um, but when we can integrate fun and not have to go to a place or buy a movie ticket or download an app to do it, uh, we should. So play some improv games with your kids. I think you'll enjoy it. That is our show for this week. If you have a question you'd like to ask us on air, please leave us a message at 424-255-7833 or send us an email at slate.com. and join us on Facebook. Search for Slate Parenting and hope that one of your benevolent Slate Parenting moderators will let you in. Mom and Dad are Fighting is produced by Rosemary Belson. For Dan and Ezekiel, I'm Jamila Lemieux and we'll talk to you again next week.